What do you think is most needed? Because you do work with mm -hmm. high school teachers. Right? Mm -hmm. You know that practitioner's world mm -hmm. from the perspective of the Bill of Rights Institute. Uh, what do you think is most needed at this time to equip those teachers to really serve the students in their, in their schools? I think a framework of knowledge and a, a, a real imparting of wisdom uh, so much of the resources that we see in the area of American history, mm -hmm. in civics, what has come to be known as, as social studies, is really thin gruel. It's anodyne. The students consider it hashtag boring. Uh, they're right. It's really boring. It's ideologically imbalanced, so there's a problem there. And it utterly lacks the kind of excitement, the anticipation, the contingency of history. When you read a typical textbook, you kind of know what the outcome is going to be because you look at, you know, smart kid's going to look at the, the end of the paragraph and that bold face, you know, sentence. Sure, sure. That gives away the whole story. Punchline, yeah. The whole punchline. You know, there, there, there's a way on which I think telling that story, getting that narrativity back into history is one of the most vital things. And related to that is if you think about history giving you that wisdom, civics is really taking those principles and applying them to solve problems. Mm -hmm. Kids want to be problem solvers, but we're not giving them a framework by which they can understand the core things. Mm. Going back to the core is really important. Yeah. Let me just touch on the writers for a minute because I think you're absolutely right. If you're gonna tell history, mm -hmm. then it ought to be a story, mm -hmm. right? And a great, compelling story at that. But those writers, the mm -hmm. ones who can really hold mm -hmm. you, right? Grip you by mm -hmm. the shirt, and draw you in, they're pretty rare, aren't they? We went out and tried to find uh, humane scholars that really are good at telling stories. They might not have the, each of them the ability to write a comprehensive treatment of American history, mm -hmm. but there are vignettes that they can really uh, bring to life. Right. Um, it's, it's deploying those in a way that meets the needs of classroom teachers that we're doing at the Bill of Rights Institute. Sure. It's a hard thing if you have to do a survey course that covers all of American history. Right. That doesn't give you enough time to really land and, and, and lay out the framework that a student needs to be able to hang, uh, hang the, the, the many facts and dates. Yep. And so what happens a lot of times is that they just do this kind of forced march. And at the end, you've learned some uh, facts and dates and, and kind of factoids, but you really haven't gained a historical consciousness. So I think what we encourage our teachers to do is go back to primary source documents, take more time. You might not be able to work through the whole mm -hmm, of the Federalist, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but take one paper, yep. take one paragraph, take one sentence, go to Frederick Douglass, uh, go to somebody that isn't taught hardly at all now, but Alexander Solzhenitsyn, mm -hmm. read One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. That will grab those students by the shirt and say, wake up. Mm. There's something here that you don't know and that you haven't thought about. Yeah, we, we occasionally, uh, as you know, David, uh, we in fact read Douglas mm -hmm. and we read Solzhenitsyn. Yes. Um, are those things being read generally from what you see? Because you've got, you've got a pretty good mm -hmm. kind of vantage here on what's happening in high schools across the country, don't you? They're not. I, They're it, not? It, it's, it, it sadly is not the case. What I think we uh, do with and really in creating free and open resources for tens of thousands of teachers is package those things in ways that they can take uh, chunks at least. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're advocating take the whole thing. But if that can't be done, 
take a part of it and, and tell a story in the words of the primary source documents, go to the, go to the source, and then giving them kind of the lesson plans, the mm -hmm. activities, the mm -hmm. things that they can uh, put right into the classroom. Sure. We do professional learning then around that. And so that's wedding uh, a great scholar who can model for the, for the teachers storytelling. And then they get the, the kind of practicum from, from our master teachers. That's great. And what we find is it's a really exciting conversation then because when the teachers realize, you know what, I can participate in a great seminar, but I can also lead it. They start to realize, okay, I want to know more about what it would take to lead a seminar. Sure. And that's, I think, something that the movement that, that, that is happening now that's being catalyzed by the Institute can, can, can really do, which is be very practical about teaching, not the Socratic method, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but say a Socratic mode of inquiry. What does it mean to lead a great seminar? Right. Yeah, I think you're right. When we, when we visit other schools, our district counterparts, even private schools, where they have yet to discover mm -hmm. this, there is a, there's a hunger. I think yes. teachers do appreciate and enjoy, really relish the opportunity to engage students at another level with real material. But yeah, I'm not here to, uh, to, to pitch my organization. I'm very much interested in how you would address families across this country mm -hmm. as they consider classical education, again, in the K-12 grades. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the most important feature or the, the reason that K-12 classical is so important at this moment in history? Classical education, learning in a, a liberal mode, uh, is, 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 is liberating. The, 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 the thing that I think families need to understand is, one, don't be afraid. This can be an intimidating thing at first. But secondly, this can be so enlivening. We are at a point in our nation's history where we are deeply polarized. Mm. We have been more so in the past, though. And what's allowed us to pull out of those ditches, to come out of the, 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 the whirlwinds, and to, to renew a kind of an American spirit, is a lingua franca. Mm -hmm. That has been the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. It's been the language of liberty. And that's what a truly liberal education gives you. Mm. It's, it's, it's something that is not reducible to any one subservient end. That's right. the exciting thing about liberal education, right? right? It's, it, right. And when you hear the, the kind of things that education today in our communities is supposed to offer, it overpromises and underdelivers. Hmm. Classical education is one of those things that really promises a lot, but when you try it, you'll see that it really delivers. Well, thank you, Dr. Bob. We do appreciate your support so very much. Thank you, Rob. Pleasure.